Wealth of purpose creates wealth of means. If your purpose is truly in impacting and making a difference in the life of another person, then that is going to be the path to creating wealth of means. Welcome to Bridge to Leadership with Neha. Together, we decode what leading means in the real world to grow your impact and influence. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Bridge to Leadership. As we reach mid and senior levels in our career, it's but natural to observe that we are competing with the best of the best. Being a high performer no longer means that you have a differentiation. And yet, to reach the next level, to land that C-level job, you have to do something so that you are set apart from your competition. So how do you compete and how do you stand out when performance is table stakes? To discuss that, we have today Christian Hansen who is a transformational coach and who helps people stand out of the crowd and get chosen. Welcome, Christian. We are so glad to have you at, to the episode. Thank you so much, Neha. It's very, very kind of you to reach out. So, Christian, tell us a bit about you. Tell us, uh, tell, tell our audiences, what should they know about you? What is your context? Okay. So, I'm from Los Angeles originally, but... The thing that kind of really makes me stand out is that I have worked behind the scenes at every major stage that someone goes through when they're trying to be successful in life. I was on an undergraduate admissions committee at Brigham Young University. I was the associate director of an MBA program at UC Irvine. I also was part of an HR team uh, for LG Electronics. And I also was uh, in the ultra high net worth financial services and sales business development space uh, for a trust administration company. And as I worked in each of these stages that every single person person has to go through undergraduate admissions, graduate school, corporate HR, and sales, I started to see a consistent set of habits, patterns, and techniques that consistently made the top people stand out from everybody else. And I launched my own college prep coaching business. I'm also a uh, an executive transition coach where I help executives, you know, reach transformational levels of performance as well as as they're making, you know, transitions in their lives and in their careers. And I teach people the same principles of how to ultimately influence others to choose you because that's the secret. It's not just about how smart, capable or qualified you are. It's about how do you influence people to choose you? And that is something that's going to interest our listeners very much. I know it got my attention. So let's dive a little deeper, Christian. And I'm really curious to know what got you started with figuring out how to help people to stand out. Uh, what what got you started on this journey? And uh, how has the journey been with you? What do you like about what you do? And what are the challenges? Give us a sense of that. Yeah. So I remember this one situation where I was in an admissions committee and we had just been reviewing a bunch of applications and it was at the end of a long day and we were all a little bit grumpy, you know, we were just denying applications left, right, and center. 
Now, all of a sudden, at the end of this meeting, this one application came up on the screen, and uh, we all started looking at it. Now, granted, these are hardened professionals. We are all about, you know, just getting, <laughs> getting through. We've seen it all. But I watched as this one application comes up, and there was just something about the student. It wasn't really necessarily their scores or their grades, but there's something that just warmed and influenced the entire room. And professional by professional, as it moved down the desk, I saw that every person was like, oh, this is the kind of student that we need to have in our institution. And one by one, I watched as these, as my colleagues all gave their thumbs up and said, this is the student that we want. And so as the meeting ended and everybody's packing up to go to the next thing, I just sat there stunned because I asked myself, how did this student, whether they realize it or not, how did they influence a room of professionals to completely change their hearts and minds and, and admit them? How did that happen? So I took the student's profile back to my office and I started to comb through it. What did they say? How did they say it? What do they write about? And every single time that I encountered a similar application that influenced a room of professionals to go, this is the kind of student we want here, not just they're good enough, but we want this student. I took that profile back. And again, I started to see habits, patterns, and techniques that consistently, you know, change the game. And again, as I mentioned before, when I went and I was the associate director of an MBA program, just seeing these students use these same techniques to get a leg up, it just made all the difference. So when I started coaching and teaching people these same principles, a lot of my clients asked me, hey, you got to put this into a book. More people needs to hear about this. And so that's when I published the uh, the Influence Mindset. It actually took several years to write. It's a fairly you know short book. Uh, you can get it done in a weekend, no problem. But the content in there took over a decade to come up with and three years to hash out and draft to make sure that it was really effective. And then I launched it to the world and it became an Amazon number one bestseller. Uh, but more importantly, out of the blue, LinkedIn reached out to me and said, hey, can we put this on our top 10 list for marketing? And I, of course, said, yes, uh, absolutely. And so because of that, I now speak and I train across the country. And also, obviously, here we are internationally on helping executives and people ultimately learn how to stand out. Because it turns out, as I did research into this, that the brain is wired to pay attention to certain things. And when you simply speak at the level and to the these things that the brain is predisposed to pay attention to, you're going to have more influence. So I absolutely love stepping alongside executives and, you know, they are feeling the exact same feelings of insecurity and wondering, can I do this? Am I, you know, a, a fraud, right? They, there's imposter syndrome and creating an emotional space where we can help them look and view at uh, things very differently. Instead of, you know, trying to prove and, and show that you're, you have the language and you're, you're the competencies, you know, that you have the competencies to make it work. What if we switch our focus into other more important things that are going to bring higher value and bigger impact? I just love working with people and helping them learn how to communicate their value with greater credibility, confidence, and influence. I really like the part when you say, how can we go beyond proving that we have the competency and pay attention to the part where we add value and we make more impact? And it really speaks to me, and I'm sure it's going to speak to a lot of listeners because 
we are all in that stage of our careers where we are made to prove ourselves over and over again. And as you move into a leadership role, you have to convince, convince, convince people for, you know, to to choose you, to choose your strategy, to choose your cause. And that is what I want to get into now. But before I do that, I just want to tell our listeners about Christian's book. I read it over a weekend. It is a short book and it is a dense book. Every sentence needs to be read and reread. And I remember reading a page at least three times before I moved on to the next one because it was packed with so much wisdom and it really shook my beliefs. So I had to read it three times that am I reading it right? And am I internalizing it? Because I could play scenarios of my interviews, of my meetings, of everything where I had to convince. And I could see it like chalk and cheese why I could not convince. I was doing the same mistake over and over. So I would now want to come to the crux of this uh, Christian, while I've read the book, but I, I think it's best that you tell our audience in, in your own words, what are these building blocks of standing out? What are these common mistakes that we make? And trust me, I'm the master of making those mistakes. I figured it out after I read your book. Me too. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> well, take us through those building blocks because the way you built it in the book made it so lucid and so clear and so practical uh, that I would want our listeners to have the have the same feeling. You know, the the foundation of this comes with it's it's a mindset shift. Now, in today's world, you know, mindset can mean a lot of woo-woo things that that are kind of fluffy and airy, but really the change of behavior begins with a change of perception. The moment we perceive a situation differently and all of a sudden see what is really going to be advantageous to us, then that is what ultimately changes our behavior. So my first goal is before I change behavior, I'm here to change your perception and how you look at the world. Now, what do I mean by this fundamental perception? Here's the deal. In 90, 99% of the time, you and I exist in what I call a performance environment, right? Where success is based on how well we perform. Again, this is not rocket science and you, your listeners may be going, okay, so really? So what is this guy talking about? Well, let, let me, let me build it out here. So in school, you are taught that success happens if you know all the material in your job. If you do the job well, if you're competent, then you get paid. And so we are incentivized and we practice over years how to develop what I call the achievement mindset, right? Which is that success happens when you prove that you're smart, capable, qualified, and passionate, right? That works for school. That works for your job. That works in many situations. And it's a pretty reliable skill set to have. That's why we spend years developing it. However, every so often, we encounter situations like college applications, job interviews, sales pitches, where success is no longer based on how competent you are. Success is based down to one thing. Do decision makers choose you over everybody else? 
Now, in this moment, when we walk into these situations, if we've learned no other way, then we simply get into our well-worn and well-rehearsed habit of smart, capable, qualified, and passionate, the achievement mindset, because it's worked so many times before. But all of a sudden, as we're spinning our wheels in these situations and sales pitches, job interviews, et cetera, showing, well, I'm smart, I'm capable, I'm qualified. We sometimes, in fact, most of the time we're disappointed because it doesn't get us the results that we want. That's because we're not in a performance environment anymore. We are in what I call selective environments where success is based on, right, if they choose you. So instead of thinking, how do I prove that I have the competencies that I'm capable, we need to shift our thinking into how do I influence people to choose me right now? Now, this brings the discussion into a completely different level of space because no one has actually taught you how to communicate persuasively. No one has ever taught people how to communicate in such a way that influences people's perceptions. Here's the deal. People don't accept or reject you. They accept or reject their perception of you. And there's a gap between your value and what you offer and how people perceive that value. Now, we've been taught this pattern of behaviors that we think is closing that gap, right? But in fact, if you are showing how smart, capable, qualified, and passionate you are, and everybody else is also showing how smart, capable, qualified, and passionate they are, then you are ultimately going to get lost in the noise. And we are not closing the gap between our value and its perception. We are rather widening the gap. And this is an immensely frustrating thing. So we need to change our perception. What is it that's really most important in these situations? What are some you know, research-backed habits, patterns, and techniques that anybody can learn, practice, and improve upon so they can increase their chances of success. So we just got to start off with that fundamental understanding. Before we change behavior, we got to understand our perceptions of what that behavior leads to. So what you are saying is this dependable habit that we have of proving ourselves being competent, of course, but proving ourselves that we are competent has worked for us in the past, but it's no longer going to work for us in the future. And we have to develop habits where we somehow go beyond our competence and learn how to make people select us. Yes. So what does that look like in, in action? Sure. There's obviously a variety of things. There's a lot of skill sets and habits to it, but I want to change. I want to nudge a word that you said earlier in our conversation here. You said that it's when we are trying to convince, convince, convince somebody, right? Now the word convince to me implies to just barrage somebody with logic to the point where they can't withstand the conclusion you're trying to influence, right? And so when we say we're trying to convince somebody, that is a very logic-based concept where we're saying, well, here's all the information. Can you reach any other conclusion? The problem is, is that that is overlooking a fundamental flaw, and that is this. People don't make decisions in their minds. They make decisions in moments, and moments are confluence of, of thinking and emotions. Here's the thing. People decide emotionally, but then they justify logically, okay? So when we are trying to, quote unquote, convince somebody, 
we need to change our language to not just convince, but to influence them instead. So that means we need to be meeting them on an emotional and a logical level. However, the achievement mindset is almost purely in the space of speaking in logical, rational terms, but that's not where people are making decisions. So one of the things that I work with my clients on is to uh, talk about the difference between excellence versus impact. Now, in terms of convincing, we then speak in terms of, well, I'm excellent. I'm very good at what I do. But what if we shift our thoughts into, instead of proving that you're excellent, what if you think about the impact that you're having? Now we're in the space of some emotional things as well, right? So my question, you know, for people is, you know, how are you, the person that you're trying to influence here, what are their needs? When you walk into a job interview, right? This isn't just how you're going to do your job, right? It is partly, but the question you need to be thinking about is, what is the person sitting across me really worried about? What are they most concerned about? What is the conversation they're probably going to have with their boss later in the day? So how can you solve with your value proposition? How can you solve not just, you know, uh, what you do, but solve some of their needs as well? How do we enter the conversation that's happening inside of their head? Now we're talking in terms of not just excellence, but in terms of impact, right? So it's a simple shift of not just how can you solve your problems and stand out, but how can I more in-depth solve the emotional needs and the problems from the viewpoint of the person in front of me? And the more I'm able to do that, I'm shifting from excellence to impact. That's just one thing, you know, or storytelling. Are you telling stories effectively? Or are you just kind of using a fire hose of facts, figures, and achievements to quote unquote convince somebody, right? Here's the thing. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. So if we're sitting there trying to just overload somebody with facts, figures, and achievements, we are not creating influence. We are, we're trying to manipulate somebody. And after the fact, someone, no one ever likes to feel like they've been manipulated or forced to do something. But if we can make our value proposition that we are solving problems that they're worried about, right? People aren't hiring you because you are qualified. They're hiring you first because they have a problem that they need solved. And your ability to speak to that is going to make you far more influential than everybody else who can't. Because in a world where everybody has comparable skills and abilities, he or she that presents best wins. So we are shifting to impact and we are looking at influence because we better have a good idea of what is relevant to the person in front of us. And in your book, you summarize it in the form of three questions that no matter what situation you are facing, it really boils down to answering either all three or one of the three questions. And the way you show the difference of answering those questions from an achievement mindset versus an influence mindset, uh, that, that brings a lot of clarity. Would Would you like to discuss that a little bit and, and tell our listeners yeah. So the thing we got to keep in mind is that at the end of the day, when someone is in a selective environment where, uh, you know, you're trying to influence somebody to choose you, a decision maker has three core questions that they're considering. And, and obviously, whether you're applying to college, graduate school, careers, or, you know, in sales, 
the the very the specificity of these questions are going to obviously change a little bit. But the three questions are number one, what drives you? Okay. Number two, what are your credentials, right? What do you bring to the table? And number three, why this tribe? So why us, right? If you're an HR manager is wondering, okay, why are you hiring? Why are you coming to our company, right? A college is wondering, why are you applying to our university? And a client in a sales situation is saying, so why do you want to work with people like me? You know, why are you trying to sell us? And your ability to answer these three questions, and, you know, there's, again, there's different tactics for these different things, but I can tell you how 90% of people in each of these situations are more likely to respond. And I can tell you how the top 10% typically respond, right? And what makes the top 10% stand out is that they're speaking on a completely different level. So for example, we'll just start off with just one of them, you know, with what drives you, I've kind of touched on it a little bit. Most people talk about their passions, right? I'm passionate about engineering. I'm passionate about, I mean, you name what you're passionate about and chances are everybody else and their grandma are saying the exact same thing in the job interview, right? Or when you're trying to, you're, you're having that conversation with your your director um, and they're like, hey, so you know what, what's really driving you here, right? Um, that opportunity for advancement is going to hinge on whether or not you stand out. So passion is only going to take you so far because it sounds like everybody else. So instead of pursuing your passions, I work with my clients to pursue problems that they're passionate about solving. So, uh, because again, remember, people aren't hiring you because you're qualified. They're hiring you because they have a problem that they need solved. And if you can speak to that problem, then you're more likely to stand out compared to everybody else who's merely in the passion parade and spinning their wheels, sounding just like everybody else. So what are the problems you're passionate about solving? Tell me how, tell me why, and tell me why that matters for the people you're trying to ultimately influence. So, for example, instead of saying I'm passionate about talking to interesting people who can bring substantial value on the table, what I need to say is I love solving for, or there are people out there who are intelligent and smart, but they are not able to rise in their careers. And I want to bring people who can add value and show them how they can do things different. So I am passionate about talking to people and interesting people, but this is the problem that I'm solving. Is that what you mean? Yeah. And let's add an emotional layer to that. So you start, you said it pretty good. So first of all, you've just said two versions of the same thing. Your second, as you were kind of adjusting, it was great, by the way. So fantastic. But let me just add one layer to that. So you're saying, Boy, out there, there are people who are smart, they're intelligent, and they're wanting to really improve themselves and make the impact that they want to have in this life. But they're frustrated Mm -hmm. by feeling like spinning their wheels and they're not moving forward in a way that they want. And I want to help alleviate that and give them the tools and insights they need so that they could get to where they're wanting to go, reach the impact they're wanting to have, and ultimately make the difference that they know they're destined to make in the world. That's why I do this podcast. Yeah. Notice the emotional layers I added into that. And that is because where someone stand out. Yeah, you're perceived as a strong as, as a very strong communicator. When we encounter people who are good communicators, and when we encounter people of purpose, neurologically, we are wired to like them, trust them, 
and see leadership potential in them. So your ability to speak on that level is going to be something that influences people's perceptions. We're hard, hardwired to perceive people at a fundamentally different way when they have purpose and they can communicate with clarity. Why is that so? Why do people stand out when they use this model? It comes down to, I think, partly, you know, we got culture, right? We've got nature versus nurture. Um, like I said, our brain is wired to pay attention to certain things. I'll talk about that in a second. But also, we have expectations of leadership and everything in our cultures that make us see people who uh, communicate in this way. We see them as solutions to problems, right? So in terms of like our brain, our brain is constantly wired and it's constant. It's it's trying to avoid pain and seek pleasure, right? And there is an overwhelming amount of information that our brain has to deal with every single day. And part of that, and when our brain is struggling to make sense of this overload of information, it's a very, it, it's hard. It's a painful thing. But when, but our brains crave simplicity, our brains crave certainty. And when someone is able to come in and communicate and cut through the noise and communicate clarity, communicate simplicity, communicate certainty, we have just helped the brain alleviate the pain it's experiencing because it's so overwhelmed. And then it's able to focus on simplicity, clarity, right, and certainty. And when it's when we do that, we are now providing pleasure to the brain. And we're incentivizing the brain to pay more attention to that thing, right? Does that make sense? So when we communicate in that way, we're actually catering to what the brain is wired and is wanting to pay attention to. That is interesting. So suddenly when, instead of just stating your passion, when, when you state it with a purpose, with a problem, and you add an emotional layer to it, you are appealing to that part of the brain which already wants to receive what you're giving. It's just that until now it was deprived of something that you were offering. Or overwhelmed. Or overwhelmed with a barrage yeah. of information. Exactly. And so if you walk in and it's, you know, I'm passionate, I can do this, I can do that, and you sound like everybody else, then you're adding to the complexity, you're adding to the frustration. They're adding to the brain's inability to make a decision and to move forward. So how can we make it easier for their brain to process what you're offering? The moment we speak, you know, connecting with emotions and we connect, uh, we, we speak with clarity, simplicity, and certainty uh, in a vision and a direction. And we paint a picture of where that person ultimately is trying to go. Boy, that just, it, it's incredible what that can do to the hearts and minds of people that we're ultimately trying to influence. I'm just imagining in my head how much impact I can have, and it's overwhelming. So in that spirit, I'm going to go forward with the next question. Uh, in fact, I, I would be more interested in addressing the last question, which is why this tribe? And how do we address this question in a way where we bypass this noise and appeal to, to this part of the brain, which is craving for relevance. How, sure. how does the strategy differ in this case? So one of the examples that when I work with university students, and again, um, just because you may be hear, hearing me say university students uh, for the corporate 
you know, folks in the in the audience that may immediately turn them off. And I'm here to tell you, it's the exact same thing. University students have to communicate their value and influence people to choose them. And at the highest levels of corporate, you know, influence, it's the same thing. They're having to figure out what their value is and communicate it in compelling ways. So it's the same space. But since everybody has been a university student, I like to use that example because it's a, a common denominator that everybody understands, right? Sure. So a- actually, as a former associate director of an MBA program, I work with a lot of Indian students who are applying to our institutions. Uh, and the thing is, is that most people, when they say, okay, so why this university? They're saying things like all the perks, the prominence, the possibilities, and the prestige that can come from that institution. You guys are highly ranked. You guys, um, you know, are in this great location. I fit. I belong, right? American students, when they're writing to American universities, they say things like, I want to see an American football game in a real stadium, and you guys have a great football team, or I love your on-campus environment, or I love your outdoor lifestyle that you afford. And this is great, right? That, there's nothing wrong with those things. It's very well-intentioned, and there's a lot of good heart and purpose behind it. <laughs> the problem is a university does not exist to provide a football game. A university does not exist to provide a nice outdoor lifestyle. We need to think about universities and companies, as well as even the clients we're trying to serve, as bridges. Bridges, they have one job, and that's to help us go from point A to point B. But the moment that I say, I'm interested in your American games, your American football games, or I'm really interested in you know, the the location or the perks that your location provides, or with the company, I really like the benefits package and the environment you guys provide for your employees, right? Uh, then all of a sudden we are communicating that we're not here to cross your bridge. I'm here to go and park right in the middle of your bridge and to start taking pictures because it's such a great view. Now that creates problems because a university is thinking, how are we going to help the student go beyond, not just get in, but go beyond? A company is thinking, we are here to go solve a problem together. We want to go clobber and conquer the world together. And you're coming here just to hang out for the benefits packages and the environment and the free lunches. A client is thinking, I am wanting to go somewhere and to improve my life and to overcome a problem. And you're saying that you just want to come here because you like, you know, being the hero of this story. Why this tribe? the perks, the possibilities, the prominence, and the prestige end up being noise because that's not speaking to the problem that's inside the heart and mind of the person who's seeking to either hire you or choose you. So instead, we need to talk about how are you going to cross that bridge? Where is the destination? And why is this a purposeful partnership with the university? How is your university going to help you get you to the next level, to where you're wanting to go? right? How are they helping you get somewhere? With a company, how are you interested in solving the same problems that the company is trying to solve? That's what their tribe is doing. So why? How, so let's show how you're like that tribe. And with a client, how is your service not simply just being the best that it is, or how is your service not just making you really good at what you do, but how is your service empowering them to reach the destination and the emotional state that they're wanting to ultimately achieve? Once we shift this perspective and pull our heads out of our own butts sometimes, 
then we're able to truly make a difference and appeal to the needs of what other people want. I can see the disconnect when we don't look at the end goal now when you explain it in this way. How about we take a real example? Okay. What if we were to answer, Christian, why did you want to come as a guest on Bridge to Leadership? And I would love you to give me an answer from both the points of view, from an achievement mindset and an influence mindset so that we can mm-hmm. we can really differentiate this. Okay. And just so you know, we have not practiced this. Yes, <laughs> we, we haven't practiced this yeah, and I, I will know. edit it out if it doesn't exactly. come out to be nice. Yeah. Okay. So to the question of why would I appear, why would I want to, you know, come on this podcast, an achievement mindset response would look like, well, I'm a number one best-selling author. Uh, I'm a LinkedIn ranked executive coach, and I've helped, you know, executives get six-figure director level positions. Uh, and I'm I'm just, I'm one of the top that there is. I'm also ranked as one of uh, the top undergraduate admissions coaches in the United States. So I'm a really good fit for your uh, podcast, I would say. Mm-hmm. Now, that is probably even overly so an achievement mindset thing. I'm speaking about my qualifications and what I bring to the table for you, right? Now, if I were to switch this into a more influence mindset approach, here's what I would say. You know, your podcast is about empowering people to change their lives and increase their opportunities so they can ultimately reach their potential. And I love helping people along that journey. And then what makes this podcast especially appealing to me is that you are in a country that, and your audience is, is a group of people that are hungry. They want to be successful. They work hard and they're wicked smart. And they're facing these obstacles that are sometimes just so overwhelming and they're not quite sure how to move forward. But if they had the right perspective to help them move forward and accomplish this and get over this gap, then a lot of opportunity and things could change. I want to be a part of that process. And if there's anything that I can do to help your audience increase their chances and also become more influential, because there's a lot of influential people today that are there for the wrong reasons. But people there for the right reasons ultimately can make the right difference, but they lack the skills of communicating and influence. And if I can be a part of that process and provide those tools, then I am fulfilling one of my personal missions, which is to to empower the right people to have the right kind of influence that our world desperately needs today. And that's why I'm grateful to be here. That completely aligns with what I do. Christian, you're not just a guest on my podcast. You are hired (laughs) <laughs> on Bridge to I'll send you an appointment letter. <laughs> I don't think I want to negotiate a salary. Just send me the number. So now notice in the second version, I, I presupposed a couple things, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't say I'm a number one best-selling author. That's given because you've invited me here. You wouldn't have reached out to me, yeah. right? Um, I am in the room com- having a conversation with you because I have the objective abilities already. Mm. most people don't understand that when you got to understand there's when i'd be interviewing people for nba programs they were there they were in the room because i believed that they had the objective abilities they had the resume they had the background they had the experience but i was in a space of kate subjectively how do i feel about them 
Are they right fit? Do they have the right vision? Right. But the thing is, when they came into the room, they were rehashing their objective abilities. And I'm trying to see their subjective qualifications. Mm-hmm. And they were missing the point. So your com- your question, why am I on the podcast? You already understand my qualifications and my objective abilities. I'm now in the subjective space of trying to align my mission with your mission and to make a difference in the lives of those who are listening. I've already proven. I'm already in the room because I have the objective stuff. I'm not going to waste a single breath in rehashing those things, which you already agree on. Let's take this to the next step and let's think in terms of impact instead of excellence. That is going to speak to our listeners on many fronts. They're already in the room. They have already reached a certain level in their careers, which shows that they have those objective achievements and competence. And now it's a game of how much can they train themselves to impact and influence the the subjective perception. This is excellent. And I think the example made it extremely clear. And I would insist the listeners to actually grab a copy of his book, The Influence Mindset. It's an absolutely fantastic use of a weekend or maybe less if you're a fast reader. And the amount of examples he gives with the questions and scenarios, both for students as well as professionals, that I think makes the real difference and helps internalize the strategy. And it's it's absolutely uh, worth giving it a read. Christian, moving forward, if somebody had to really start looking at this space where, let's say, they're on on a scale of zero to 10, they are at zero when it comes to developing an influence mindset and they really want to reach the 10, where should they start? What should they do? What are some of the steps that they can take? Uh, What are some of the things they can be conscious of in their daily lives? What would be your advice to them? A couple really simple things. First, again, if if we go into this impact over excellence thought process. The first thing that I want us to practice the behavior of doing is to notice needs of others. What are other people struggling with? What are they really having a hard time doing? And the next thing is, how can I resolve those needs in a way that they want? That's a key thing. Because sometimes someone will come and say, well, here's here's what you should do. Here's what a book that you should read, or here's what you need to be doing. In that moment, though, Neha, do you feel like you're being really heard or understood or taken care of? If someone just says, here's what you should do. You know uh, there's sometimes Because when I had my daughter, the number of you should do that coming to me was pouring in from every direction. People wanted to help me. They're like, hey, there's this new mom. She's just had a baby. And you know, let me just help them. And the amount of you should killed me. I I just wanted to be left alone and I didn't want any advice anymore. I, I, I think I can relate to that. So, and along those lines, again, they're well-meaning, but yes. often literally, you know, we can be killed with kindness, yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> and so that's the question. How do we notice people's needs and then help 
resolve them or meet those needs in ways that they want. Okay. Now, this principle applies in corporate settings just as much as anything else, right? Look at your boss's needs. What are they frustrated with? And how can you help them in a way that they want and need? Our ability to notice that is going to develop a completely set, a completely different set of emotional intelligence skills that most people simply don't have. Okay. The second thing that, um, again, this is may, may seem really counterintuitive, and you may notice that a lot of the concepts that we've covered today are have their basis in the book. But these are I'm I'm speaking kind of next level, you know, content here of how how to really apply this. This may seem completely ridiculous. But I guarantee this is one of the most powerful things you can do. And that is every day, look for the opportunity to simply compliment someone else in a sincere and meaningful way. Just 10 seconds. Okay. So as you notice somebody who's doing something, you know, hey, I thought you did a really good job in that report. Best yet, compliment people behind their backs to a colleague. Colleague B, hey, did you see how colleague A did that? I was just really impressed by that. That is a really simple thing that has a compounding effect on people's perceptions and of you, of what you bring to the table. So often, my students and my colleagues that I, or the, my coaching clients that I work with, they're so concerned when they walk into a room, a board meeting, for example, how am I going to present? How am I going to sound? And guess what? Everybody else in the boardroom is also consumed with how they individually are going to do something. But what if you walk in and you just have an out-of-body you know, sense of self where how can I simply give a compliment to somebody else that's sincere and meaningful to them, right? Again, it sounds counterintuitive, but a habit and a history and a pattern of doing that consistently is going to be as valuable to one of your listeners' eventual career success as any hard skill that they develop. 10 years from now, your ability to put together an Excel sheet, your ability to put together a presentation is going to be insignificant. No one's really going to care, but they will care about your ability to create teams to build people and rally them around a cause, to motivate people and help people feel better about themselves. That's the difference between people with mediocre success and those who have stratospheric success. Often, the smartest person in the room is the kindest, and that's the most successful person in the room is also the kindest. And that's been my experience. And the more that we can truly practice that, and you do that by noticing other people's needs, trying to find ways to resolve those needs in ways that they need and want. And then three, look for opportunities to simply give a sincere and meaningful compliment to somebody behind their backs or to their face every day. And you're building the true skills that are at the foundation of some of the greatest leaders we've ever had. That is wonderful advice. And something like you mentioned might have felt counterintuitive. Christian, there's yeah. clearly a lot more to this training uh, than reading your book. Uh, there's so many fundamentals to practice, to know. Tell us some of the resources that we can 
aware of either on your site or otherwise that can help our listeners? First of all, getting the book is probably a great place to start. I am regularly trying to put together trainings to help people with personal influence mastery. The other resource is on my website. I have a, a, a worksheet that I put together and a brief training to kind of kickstart this process of learning how to better sell uh, sell yourself, right? And it's called the uh, the personal positioning worksheet, and it can be found at you know thechristianhanson.com forward slash positioning dash worksheet. This is an exercise that I go through with my coaching clients to help them. Again, I jokingly say, you know, pull your head out of your own butt, but you know, uh, it's to get out of your own insecurities and shine your headlights fully on the needs and perspectives of someone else as you're communicating. This is the process that I've helped people get six-figure director-level jobs, uh, and this subtle mindset shift really makes all the difference. Again, your destiny is determined by your results. Your results are determined by your actions and behaviors, and your behaviors are largely changed and influenced by your perceptions. Let's start there, and everything else can change. That's great, Christian. So for everyone listening, the link will be in the show notes. You can download the worksheet and there would be further steps to it in case you want to reach out to Christian. I will have his coordinates, his LinkedIn uh, profile and link uh, mentioned in the show notes. Uh, Don't hesitate to drop me an email or drop a note on our website and I'll be happy to, to connect you and Christian. Uh, Christian, it's been a, a fantastic chat. I don't know how did the time fly by, but I would want to <laughs> recap this uh, for our listeners. There's uh, lots of fantastic advice and uh, great insights that we unpacked today. So one, we are talking about our landscape fundamentally shifting from a place where performance was something that we depended on to a place now when Our success depends on people selecting us. And if we have to succeed in an environment where people select us, it's important that we get out of our insecurities and think about them, what is important for them, what are their needs, and how we can solve it, not in the way that we want, but in the way that they want. And A key factor there is once you figure it out, you have to communicate it. And usually when you are communicating it, it falls in three buckets of what drives us, what are our credentials, and why this tribe. No matter where we are, who we are convincing, somewhere down the line, we are answering either all three or at least one or two of these questions. And the way to answer them is, again, start with the need with the people-centric approach, and then bring in how we are solving that. And don't forget to add the emotional layer to it, which Christian showed us in two fantastic examples. And this is just the beginning. Christian has loads of resources, uh, lots of ways to practice and walk this path. Uh, I've been excited about it, excited enough to reach out to Christian and do this podcast. And I would love for our listeners to share what they think about it and if they want to uh, engage in learning more. So that is on the recap, Christian. If there's one point that you would want our listeners to take from today's podcast, what would that be uh, before we close today? You know, two things. 
Wealth of purpose creates wealth of means. If your purpose is truly in impacting and making a difference in the life of another person, then that is going to be the path to creating wealth of means. The second is that abundance of opportunity never comes from scarcity of thought. So the more that you can have a thinking of how can you genuinely add value, make a difference, create an impact over excellence, then you're going to invite success. You don't create success on your own. Success is a collaborative effort and other people are going to open the doors for you. You can either knock down the doors, you can have someone else open up for you. And the more that you can truly give value, make a difference, resolve needs, then people are going to be more willing to open those doors for you. People may do business with you for what you can do, but they will always repeatedly do business with you for who you are and how you make them feel. So let's be thinking on this higher level. When everyone else is consumed about themselves, thinking in terms of how smart, capable, qualified they are, thinking about their terms of individual excellence and about themselves, the moment you shine your headlights outward and you're thinking more broadly about truly impacting others, creating a wealth of purpose and adding unquestioning value and improving the lives of other people, people and helping them feel better about themselves, you have just laid the patterns and frameworks that's ultimately going to change your life and the lives of everybody else whom you meet. And I call that the influence mindset. That gives me a lot to think through, and I'm sure our listeners are going to feel the same. Thank you so much for your time, Christian. It was lovely talking to you. So that's it, folks. You have been listening to Bridge to Leadership, a platform where leaders find their kindred spirits. I'm your host, Neha Singh. Know more about us on bridgetoleadership.in. You can also follow us on LinkedIn. The link is in the show notes.